0: welcome to episode 20 of upshift the no direction networks essence 20 podcast where every two weeks we give you an edge on essence 20 i'm ryan casello one of the designers of the essence 20 system and an author on the gi joe transformers and my little pony role playing game core rulebooks and others including the book that we'll be mm. talking about today
1: oh indeed and i'm jason Keeley, uh renegade game studios former rpg developer and i i also worked on this book that we're talking about today
0: and we'll talk about the the differences in how we worked on it, because we sure. both have developer credits, which is uh, this my only developer credit. So, so far, this is the only time this has ever happened. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we begin, although we both work for Renegade, uh, or worked in, in some cases, on Essence 20 in some capacity, Upshift is not fi- associated with or produced by Renegade Game Studios, and this is not an official Essence 20 podcast. That's right. Uh, I've got a banter topic here, Free RPG Day. I guess I'm just going to quickly say I went. Did you get it? I got Cobra Confusion. Nice. I went to a Boutique Tabletop, which is not exactly a local gaming store. I have to go about a half hour out of the way to a part of the city that I only go to to go to Boutique Tabletop. Sure but I, um, I just I like the atmosphere there. I really like the owner. Uh, and while I was there, I also grabbed the Pathfinder and Starfinder for RPG <laughs> Day products. Um, and the Starfinder one, you're the developer of that one, which That's surprised right. me.
1: I did that as a little bit of freelance right after. The, oh, right after OK. Yeah. There was like it was coming up and was on the schedule and they asked me if I did would mind just sort of because I, you know, I did the outline for it. I did all the prep work for it. Here we go. So I knew what was going on. Yeah. Operation Seaside Park, another amusement park thing.
0: <laughs> this is becoming your niche.
1: And it's a little bit my niche.
0: So, yeah, I was working out in my head like, how far back did they make this that it was written and you developed it before you left? I hadn't considered that maybe you did it as a freelance developer. Yeah. Yeah. That was in the
1: fall ish, maybe even early fall, late, late summer. Yeah. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah, so I I did manage to read that over. That's, I think, the only free RPG day thing that I have read over. And I oh. read it over uh, with my girls playing at the park. And every now and then they would come to tell me something and then just be like, what is that? No, <laughs> oh, and actually, I'm I'm going to quote my favorite line from it. It's okay. in one of the uh, character sheets for the pregens in the back. Yeah. Uh, Valmina where it says uh, let me see if I can find it oh yes her solarian weapon is whimsically shaped like a burning buzzsaw <laughs> whimsical yeah deadly blades well and like I guess I just default to something lightsaber ish when I think of a solarians weapon sure, yeah so yeah seeing the like energy chainsaw that she's wielding with two hands right yeah uh, yeah yeah it's whimsical
1: it's whimsical. I mean, look, yeah, we got all sorts of crazy weapons in Starfinder. Why not make your Solarian weapon look like something
0: weird? Well, and especially she's the only human in the bunch, so giving her something so that she stands out amongst the rest of them. True, true. Uh, it's funny.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't actually see any of that art. <laughs> yeah. Oh really? Oh, it's funny. I've I seen some of it. Yeah, yeah, on 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 like on Twitter
0: and stuff, but like I haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah. Well, the that chainsaw shows up in about three pieces. It's there on the cover. it's in her personal art and I think it shows up in one of the oh no here it is at rest so with the blades down while they're inspecting the entrance anyway uh we're not here to talk about Starfinder but (laughs) uh um I guess just uh, I did pick up Cobra Confusion I'm happy with how it turned out I'm hearing good things um the the we'll probably talk about this sometime in the future just to kind of circle back to it but this was the first time I've written an adventure with specific pregens in mind and in fact the first scene is all of the pregens rebuilding one of the other pregens which is not yes. something I've ever seen before and uh, a lot of the time when I'm given projects by Renegade I am given a lot of freedom and so mm. I just kind of stumbled across that one myself and I'm glad that it still made it into the final cut because it was pretty pivotal uh, pivotal it was pivotal to how the scene or the whole adventure played out
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was it was interesting. I remember reading that part and I was like, okay, well, but what does the person do <laughs> when you're yeah. strapped to a table <laughs> being rebuilt? Oh, you should be able to help them. You should be able to help out.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, oh, you know what? My I've just lost feeling in this everything that I'm pointing <laughs> at. So can you not?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. But that is just one of uh, a slew of crossover products Renegade has put out, including our topic today. The Field Guide to Action and Adventure. This is advertised as the ultimate essence 20 RPG source book, or sorry, the ultimate essence 20 RPG crossover awesome. source book.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm updating an outline, even though it will never matter after this episode. <laughs> um, and while it is that, it definitely delivers on that promise. It is also so much more. Like A lot of the initial reaction to this book from people that have seen it is like, there's so much in this. It's pretty dense.
1: It, it it kind of functions not only as a sort of a way to do crossovers, but almost like a, a game master guide for essence 20 stuff.
0: Yeah, honestly, I would say that uh, if you are running an essence 20 campaign, even if it's not a crossover campaign, you would be well served to have two books: the core rule book for that setting and the field guide to action and adventure. And like that, even that even applies to my little pony, which is barely mentioned Ooh, yeah. in the book, is not one of the topics of it, but a lot of the gming stuff. So the second half of the of the book, it, it still applies to that. In fact, uh, something I always appreciated about Param is that even if he didn't play, you know, my old co host for people that yeah. you know, but you know, I listeners, know. Um, he would get if he got one book from a role playing games uh, line, he would get the game master guide because mm-hmm. even if he had no intention of playing that game, he was always curious how like what new techniques might be brought up and just how running the game was presented and so yeah so even if you're not playing essence 20 this is probably the one essence 20 book that you might want to pick up just to see how we handle the whole game
1: yeah yeah I I, I saw something that was done that that made me laugh on uh on social media the other day it was that was someone was like saying oh gosh look at this it's the you know field guide to action adventure uh it makes every core rule book, a source book for the other core rule books, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, like, yeah, now the, now the Power Rangers core rule book is a source book for the Transformers role-playing game. So that's, I mean, that's one way to look at it, but um, you know, just, yeah, like you're saying uh, it, it talking about like jamming tips and, and, and for, for these types of games, you know, the action and adventure, that is all of Transformers and G.I. Joe and Power Rangers. Um, it, it's a good, it's a great resource.
0: Now, before we get into the chapter by chapter breakdown, I want to give a little history of how the book came to be, because in a lot of ways, it is the culmination of the first year of Essence 20 as a brand and as a setting, not a setting, a role playing system, but also, um, and the reason that I got a developer credit on it is because it was also kind of, uh, I had this year of just trying to be any a problem solver in any way that I could be for Renegade to make sure that Essence 20 was a success and um, it all led to the Field Guide to Action Adventure being my first development credit. Um, and when we talked about what a developer's job was a couple of episodes ago, um, I said that my expectation when I first heard about developers was that it was somebody who comes in at the end and then polishes it up. Whereas in your experience, it's more somebody who like yeah. starts at the beginning, does a lot of project managing and is there for every step of the way. So we are the two developers on this. And it's funny that my definition is kind of your job <laughs> on the book and That's your true. definition is my job on the book.
1: Yeah that but, that is
0: true yeah so I I see myself more as I was the project manager on this book I'm also I'm one of the four or five authors I forget if Paige uh, contributed to this but anyway um so I wrote about a third of the text but I'm really proud of this book more as the developer like the project manager of it because uh, I had such a vision for this book mm-hmm. and so uh we were just asked like um we're making a crossover book Get to it, and so me and a couple of other people that were working at uh, on the Essence Twenty system were kind of breaking it down. And during that meeting, I, I outlined the whole book, just like I, I have these ideas, and mm-hmm. a lot of these ideas came about from the last year. So I'm just going to kind of do a quick timeline of Essence Twenty in the first year and how little things and kind of serendipitous moments made the Field Guide to Action Adventure. Um, it made what should have been the hard parts of this book the easy parts. Mm, okay, great. So um, before the books came out, one of the things that uh, w- was happening during a lot of the the Essence 20 design meetings is that me, Ben, and Paige on the G.I. Joe team were pushing to include uh, certain sections in the core rulebook and we would get pushback in like that we're making it too complicated, that there's too much rules text. And our feeling was always like, no, this is like, this is clarifying rule text. This is telling you how right. to play the game. And so the Power Rangers role-playing game core rulebook came out and one of the critiques was that it seems to assume you know how to play Essence 20. And mm-hmm. it, it, it did not explain the game well enough. And Power Rangers came out while giaggio was at the printer. So when Power Rangers came out to a lot of mixed reaction, you know, there was some panic behind the scenes because we sure. you want a book to come out and it's all fireworks and sunshine. It was not fireworks and sunshine. There was some of that. But there was also some people being like, no, you've got this, this book has some problems um mm-hmm. and so yeah gi joe was at the printer at the time so there was nothing we could do about that so eyes were on transformers which was supposed to be at the printer but the first turnover was deemed not ready for print and it was just kind of put on pause for a little bit while the launch of the first two books was was handled um so then gi joe came out and people were like now i understand essence 20 and people were recommending people that bought power rangers to buy gi joe oh, okay. to know how to play power rangers and a lot of that was the stuff that the G.I. Joe team was like we need to include this in the book for the sake of clarity for the sake of understanding so it was like okay. it was it, it uh, we felt justified in that we felt like uh, vindicated yeah, that sure. these things that we had been fighting for and luckily <clears throat> we're, we were allowed to conclude in our book it was just, we didn't have a template for what an essence 20 core rulebook looked like yet so sure. Power Rangers looked like Power Rangers G.I. Joe looked like G.I. Transformers looked like Transformers And so when Transformers, uh, sorry, when G.I. Joe launched and it was, like, satisfactory, uh, like, no, it had a very positive reception. We suddenly had a template for what a S20 role-playing game core rulebook would look like, and that was then applied to Transformers. But um, along the way, one of the main critiques for the Power Rangers was that there weren't enough threats in it, and there was no rules for designing your own, and this is a Monster of the Week formula. And so it really, that was something lacking. So I wrote the yeah threat right. guide. yeah yeah yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So I wrote the threat guide for Power Rangers, and released it as a PDF. And I even said like, don't pay me now because I know budget is probably going to be really weird about this really extensive PDF document that was not on the slate. No one was considering this something that would have to be ad- added to the schedule. So when a book comes out that this will be published in, then you give me the credit. Then you can pay me and take it out of that book's budget. And so the first chunk of the field guide to action adventure was already written before the field guide to action adventure was ever on the slate because i had written this uh threat uh threat creation guide but the other thing about the threat creation guide is that it needed a unique language because it was no longer telling people the rules it was like bringing them in and like collaborating with them on the rules so it went from like a math teacher to a philosophy teacher (laughs) and that became the tone for the field guide to action adventure so we had the tone of this book that again would not be on the schedule for like a year and we had the first chunk of content written and then the other thing that happened and this was the one that really ended up being fortunate for uh, fortuitous was that uh, the main thing that transformers needed to be print ready was uh the roles need to be revamped so i was brought mm-hmm. in uh, and it was by my request like i i looked over the document and i said like i can fix this give me some time They said we don't have time, but you can try and fix it. Yeah, here's like a week or something. I did not have a lot of time. I've spent a lot of late nights working on the Transformers roles. And while I was working on them, I kind of had this idea like I didn't want to just rehash the Jagar roles, which is something I could have done and maybe even something I was expected to do. But no, I wanted to give Transformers Transformers Transformer-specific roles. And what little of the original version of the roles that I kept was the idea that it would also have focus options. So like G.I. Joe. Like that right, wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. that wasn't set in stone. That was something that we invented for G.I. Joe, Transformers liked it and they brought it over, which was part of the collaborative nature of designing Essence twenty. Like, I'm not saying they knocked us off. I'm saying they right, yeah, yeah. You know, registered a good idea and used but- it. Um, so yeah, like as I was designing the roles, I realized, like, oh, this the field uh the, the field commander is a really cool leader type. Wouldn't it be cool? if G.I. Joe players could use this as an alternative way to have a leader type besides the officer. Oh, right. So how am I gonna do this? Because this is obviously written for giant robots. And so I decided to reserve the giant robot stuff for modular areas. So the Autobots roll out, or um, no, for the AllSpark, sorry. Uh, For the AllSpark, and then the uh, be a hero equivalent, which became the Cybertronian perk. That was like, this is definitely your robot. And then kind of shunted off to the focus options. But the main role was no longer completely tied to being Transformers. And I was only doing this so that on the Discord, if people were like, oh, I really like these roles, but I'm playing this other game, I could be like, uh-huh. well, bonus Guess secret what? feature that I happen yeah. to work into this. And so then, like, almost immediately after I turned over Transformers, we had a meeting saying, hey, we're doing a crossover book. And even though all of the games were supposed to be cross-compatible, I never thought a crossover book was uh in the cards. I've never thought we would acknowledge in a product that it's cross-compatible. I I just figured in the marketing and in the socializing between gamers, we would say, Hey, oh, you like Power Rangers? You know, you got all these other options. But no, we were making a book that was dedicated to crossovers. And I was like, I know exactly how to do these crossovers with roles and whatnot because I happen to write them in. So because of these, like the delays to the Transformers and because I had a chance to kind of become this problem solver for Renegade, I'd stumbled upon accidentally like writing content that would be perfect for this field guide to action and adventure.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that it, it's it's clear, like I didn't know that there was the this sort of like piecemeal way to put putting things together kind of near the beginning, because when I was looking at uh, the field guy stuff, it all seemed like, Oh, well this makes sense. If you can switch this out and switch stuff. I mean, I knew power Rangers was, was rough. Cause it was the first one, but like the fact that GI Joe and transformers books were so had, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, I wouldn't say it was like clear cross compatibility at the beginning, but definitely like parallelism, some parallelism in it. Right. With the, with the different roles and, and the focuses Um that I just assumed that was sort of like what,
0: no, nope, it was what, not what, a plan. It was, what it was
1: meant to be. Yeah, because I, I never I, told I, anyone yeah. I
0: was doing it. I just did it.
1: Well, wow, great. I mean, it, it makes the system better for sure.
0: So now that we've talked about the, the history of how this book came to be, we can uh, crack it open. And before we go any further than the cover, I do want to talk about the title mm-hmm. because the title was something we were all really stumped about really like we have uh like a a little behind the scenes area where all of the writers on it could work on it and we were a couple of weeks into writing the book and we didn't have a title for it and we just were like we need to figure out what we're calling this product other than the crossover book yeah and so i kind of i laid out like we need a something of something and i i uh presented like a bunch of column a a bunch of column b and the one that we were happy with was the action adventure field guide and it was like everything clicked for people from then on. We knew that this was like crossing over all of the action adventure brands. We knew that right. the jamming stuff could apply to action and adventure like this as a as genre. Uh, and so, like finding the title is what made us move forward, like uh, with a little more unity to the project.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah.
0: And so then after the turnover, the title got changed. So I'm <laughs> curious yeah. if you know why it went from the action adventure field guide to the field guide to action and adventure.
1: There was some 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 talk here and there and and whether or not it would be action adventure field guide or field guide to action and adventure um, I think there's two reasons I think there was some it possibly just some sort of like formatting confusion with mm. action adventure field guide, like how whether or not it would need to be hyphenated and it would yeah. be and and that kind of stuff and so there was a little bit of that and I think that there was some talk about a little bit about um. Mm-hmm sort of making this part of a part of a line mm. of other sort of field guides and but and other things you could put couldn't be easily hyphenated in that way you know what I mean? oh, right be, action adventure is a thing but there might not be a thing that's you know i don't know like mystery it wouldn't be a mystery intrigue field guide it would have to be the field guide to mystery and intrigue or something like that right so if that was going to plan going through I direct I, you know i don't know if it is um but it's definitely something that we sort of talked about a little bit that 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 it would makes it would it would make it a little easier going forward to call this the field guide to action and adventure.
0: Yeah. All of that makes sense. And the Mm -hmm. um, I have made an effort not to just nickname this the field guide. I try and make sure I say the full name full time, like every time, because if there is then a second field guide, I don't want in my head to be thinking of this as the field guide. And then the next one, the field guide to whatever mystery and intrigue or whatever.
1: The the field guide to that one will be
0: if (laughs) But it's already the Field Guide 2. It's the Field Guide 2 Action and Adventure.
1: Field Guide 2. Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. So I I have no problems with the Field Guide to Action and Adventure over the Action and Adventure Field Guide. I just thought it was a fun anecdote that there was, like, so much importance to finding a title to it, and we didn't end up using that title. But that's just kind of the reality of the creative process.
1: Yeah, indeed, indeed. And and, and I think the title sort of, like, does get that – still get that across because it has all the words in it. It's not like we didn't, like – Change the words around so it's the field guide to just sitting around and picking your nose. Uh, it's field guide <laughs> to action and adventure. Um, so yeah, and it's just you know action and adventure, just not action and adventure, which is I know a slightly different, but but still yeah, I know. you get a lot of stuff.
0: Well, uh, action adventure shows up at one point in it for uh chapter four is action adventure game masters. So yes, it got in somewhere. It got in there. It got there, in there. there's some legacy to that. To the name of that chapter.
1: Indeed. And I do I do appreciate that it's not just called like the like a crossover guide or something like that. Like, yeah. like I think there might be it's I think it's called a crossover source book in the sort of subtitle that's not really part of the title. Right. Um uh but um that sort of lets you sort of look at it as a book on its own mm-hmm. and be like, Oh yeah, this is the crossover stuff, but it's also like we said, game mastering stuff for essence twenty in general. Uh so yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, so yeah, that was one concern that the title didn't mention crossover, but looking at the final presentation if you're looking at this cover <laughs> yeah. you've got a megazord fighting devastator um uh, mm-hmm. duke gets a little bit lost a lot of people don't notice duke at first but he is mm-hmm. literally front and center of that cover yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. all three logos are on there and right under that it says crossover source book so yeah. i don't think anyone's going to pick this up and not know that there's crossover options in there no
1: not at all not at all
0: now, we basically did a whole episode on this introductory chapter where we just talk about um, crossovers. So we'll only gloss over it here. Uh, the the reason that this is so much more robust than any other introduction to a, a, an Essence 20 book is that we wanted to make sure that if you were going into this only familiar with one brand, that we gave you the, the running start you needed to get familiar with all the other brands. So if you were a G.I. Joe fan, yeah. you could get... The the Power Rangers 101, Transformers 101 in here.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And we also threw in uh, the... Uh, oh, uh, yeah, and then a section on just the concept of crossovers, how it works. And I really like this section. I talked about it last episode. I really like how this is broken down. I really like the thought put into the different kinds of crossovers and how it's done. This That section was written by Brian. Cool. So, like... <laughs> I didn't want it to sound like i was complimenting myself which i'll probably be doing a lot for this episode because i'm so happy with this book (sighs) and then we get into chapter two the crossover character creation the meatiest chapter in any essence 20 book uh it has it it really goes into the mechanics of the game and the game really is mechanics light but with the potential for uh, a more robust, uh, like character creation system than you might first realize. And yep. I really like this piece of art that uh, we put together here where it's uh, Storm Shadow version two and the White Ranger and Gold Bug fighting it out in the middle of the city.
1: Yeah. Charm remembered in my head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so what I like about this is that Storm Shadow His second figure is when he went from G.I. Joe to, sorry, from Cobra to G.I. Joe. And then the White Ranger is Tommy, who was the Green Ranger. So this is the first time a character in Power Rangers had a major shift. And Goldbug is when Bumblebee got broken down and then rebuilt. So this is all three characters that have been, they're all very familiar characters, but they are being interpreted in a slightly different way here.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it felt symbolic to me.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's
0: good. So the crossover character creation section has uh, it opens with something that I don't think I've ever seen in another role playing game book and it's basically like a GM guide, but for player stuff. And it's just breaking down like this is how you make the character. This is why this is what this represents this is the things you should be thinking about. Uh, It's got the the tips about how like you don't need acrobatics and athletics because most of the time. it calls for one it should be able to substitute in the other but if you go full in on speed here's the things you have to consider whereas you probably want to split some of your physical stuff some speed some uh some strength like Mm -hmm. it just kind of gets into the philosophy of it and it really is like uh in in relation to the people that had the feedback that we didn't know how to play essence 20 when we started playing essence 20. So this is from people that now have a year of design and play experience on Essence Twenty, really getting into the nitty gritty of character creation.
1: Yeah, and it's not like just about crossover characters too. Like you can take this advice and use it for any other any one system, one setting character. Uh, <clears throat> but that, you know, I think there's some 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 crossover stuff kind of sprinkled in later on about like why you're a crossover and who you're going to be and what kind of stuff. But like, and there's some also this great general advice that which are talking about
0: right well so this chapter uh, is a ramp it starts as just like hey you're building an essence 20 character any essence 20 character here's some good advice and then we get into uh using other the, the other settings to expand your character options but not as a crossover just as like hey here's if you see a perk in another book that you like and it's not tied to the setting just bring it on over it's fine So we just slowly, gradually introduce the idea of crossovers until we get to the end of the chapter where it's like, if you want your Autobot to also be a Power Ranger and for him to join G.I. Joe, here's what you're going to do. It's complicated now. You have to strip (laughs) down these mechanics. You get a notebook. Let me tell you, I walk you through this. (laughs) Oh, there's another great piece of art here. Um, Sci-Fi has picked up a power coin and he's just inspecting Mm -hmm. it. and. Uh, sci-fi is like the conspiracy theorist on the gi joe team so for him to be the one that discovers power like there's a reason he's the one that ended up in the uh, the uh the adventure at the end and yeah, uh he's not a character that tends to show up in a lot of media so i'm glad that if we're going to dedicate our art budget to an original art of a character let's do it to a character that doesn't show up as often and yeah, yeah. this is a character that perfectly fits into a field uh, into a book of this theme yeah
1: We talk about, we're going to, you're going to mention some of the art here and there. And I I just want to do say that, like, I, I, you you helped me a lot, and then when we're talking about what right. to order for this, I was having a little trouble uh, at the beginning. Because sort of, there was a you know a lot of stuff like, well, we got to get some. There's some existing crossover stuff we should use that, but like we need some original pieces too. And I'm just like, there are that's so many settings. I don't know who to match with who and what to do. It was too wide open, and it was very daunting for me. So I appreciate that you helped me out in in writing these, giving me a list of things. Try this, try this, and I'm like, yeah, that one's good. That one's good, and pick this one up, and yeah.
0: Well, I I think you're even like, thank you for doing this. I know you're working for free, but like, I wasn't working for free. I was also the developer of this book, Jason. And yeah, so this oh, well. is something I was already paid to to cover. And okay. I absolutely loved it. In fact, some of my favorite stuff that I wrote in this book was just the examples. And anytime I did an example, mm-hmm. I knew we needed, oh, actually, do you know the, um, the, the Roger Rabbit rules? Mm-hmm. I know this is kind of coming out of nowhere. So mm-hmm. in, in Roger like Rabbit... In roger rabbit if there was a scene with a disney character and a Looney Tunes oh, yeah, character yeah. they had they have the same number of lines the yeah. character that had the first line meant that the other brand then had to be the character that had the exit line and so yeah. anytime i wrote examples i needed to make sure that there is an equal number of representation of all three and yes. sometimes when i had to do uh two different, uh, like two different back-to-back examples of like it could be a or it could be b it would be actually it could be a part one a part two a part three or it could be b part one b part two b part three uh but honest and like the fear could be that we would get bogged down in these examples but i think these examples are super fun and i think they really made the book and a lot of the times in writing the examples i would then stop and think like can we do that thing i just said and if not all right i've got a new general perk that i have to design i have to Add some new option to make sure that thing I just said you can do, you can do it, and in fact we'll jump ahead and the the very last general perk in this chapter. uh, Oh wait no sorry it's in uh, the next chapter it's in chapter three Uh, i'm just getting the. uh, Accurate name for it. It is the zord ultra mode, and this is where, if you are. um, a, a, A Cybertronian power ranger you could take this general perk instead of gaining a Zord. You are your own Zord. And the only reason this came up is because there's a couple of examples that are like, oh, well, Grimlock could just join in on the, the Metamorph mega uh, Megazord. And it's like, right. you know, I've mentioned this a couple of times and I don't have it. So that is literally the last thing that was written for the book. It yeah. was in fact, after the turnover, I kind of snuck back into the document and added it and just like, I hope it makes it in. If it doesn't, like this is after the deadline, I understand. But it's yes. rare that you could point to the exact thing that was the last thing that you contributed to a book.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Uh,
0: but you were talking about the art, and one of the challenges, I guess, uh, in finding existing art is that there's a lot of G.I. Joe Transformers crossovers. Yes. That's it. Power Rangers, it. for whatever reason, has not crossed over with these other characters.
1: Yeah. So when we were making new art, I wanted to lean, like you're saying, so there'd be an even amount of things, lean a little bit more towards what Power Ranger stuff can we put in there of. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to make the art more uh, using the using the G.I. Joe transfer stuff that I already had. How can we make Power Rangers even out?
0: So I imagine one of the other challenges was composition, because a lot of the times you you, like the Autobots have to be deep in the background, but still interacting with the small characters in the foreground. And uh, sometimes it raises an eyebrow, but other times like the fact that it's always done differently, like there's no just the Mm -hmm. one way that this problem was solved. Yeah uh so for like there's one slipstream is firing a missile and uh billy the blue ranger is doing a backflip over the missiles and uh, like just because the they're far away from each other you can just fill in the blanks of how far away they are based on how you imagine those two characters uh scale wise to
1: be yeah
0: Yeah. and then one of the chapter openers is they're all in the uh uh, I think it's the chapter 6 opener they're all
1: in the base the zordon base
0: so that is the one i was thinking of and it is not chapter yeah. six chapter six is where astrotrain is beating up the defiant right. but yeah where they're all in the base like uh that's really nicely um yeah, uh, yeah. multi multi-planar i don't know exactly how to describe it i'm not good at art words <laughs> well <laughs>
1: i'm not i i'm okay at just dis- describing it enough so that i can give it to an artist to, to, to but when you get a good artist you don't yeah. you kind of don't need to say much like these people are in a room figure it out <laughs>
0: We went over like I think I gave you about was it thirty suggestions was it fifty suggestions for crossover pieces? Might have been like fifty, yeah. Yeah, the the only one that I regret not making it in is there was a suggestion where Jinx, who has like a uh, bow staff with like blades at the end, where she mm. is unspooling one of the cassettes and like
1: oh right she <laughs> stabbed it into
0: that like that was the only one that I loved the visual, but like I could understand that that probably comes off really cruel. It
1: seemed. Weird and also like, do they have
0: ribbon in those
1: cassettes? I don't think they
0: do. You're right. It probably raises questions. Did not. (laughs) It
1: raised a lot of questions that I was not ready to answer.
0: Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, going over any more of chapter two? Oh, so uh, the concepts of factions (laughs) is introduced in this book and was kind of a means to the end to an end in doing this. In that we knew that we needed to swap some options around um and it just so happened that the the way roles were all broken down is that you all had this front heavy stuff that really like ties right into the setting and so even though none of the books before this called them factions because they were not meant to be a modular mechanic they were just meant to be part of the roles uh but yeah it just happened to work out that with some tweaking you could take a faction out of a role and then just apply all of the role perks to another faction and another setting and suddenly it mostly worked. Like there's definitely gonna be tweaking anytime you do that. Sure, yeah. But that's what I'm saying, that what should have been the hardest part of this turned out to be pretty easy and it was, we just lucked into the fact that uh, I happened to make some of those mechanics work similarly. Yeah. And uh, the chapter ends with the crossover character example and that is Captain Gridiron and I, giggled when I came up with that to play on words, because Captain Gridiron is an established G.I. Joe, he is a football themed officer, but Captain represents G.I. Joe, Grid represents Man. Power Rangers, Iron represents Transformers, and I was like, oh my goodness, I, this is perfect, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't even have to make up a name, I've got the perfect name here, and yeah, I, just in writing this example, it was super fun just coming up with how this character would work, in some alternate reality where captain gridiron is not just a gi joe who likes football but a Cybertronian who likes football and (laughs) somehow came to the attention of the Morphin Grid and then joined GI
1: Joe Joe.
0: and I'm like I'm glad that I amused myself so much with this because this could have been really dry and really Hmm. technical and so um finding just ways to bring it to life bringing in specific examples from the different settings I think makes what is the most complicated thing in any essence 20 rule book, makes it fun
1: yeah yeah
0: all right and then we get the crossover options and so the reason that this is only one chapter whereas you might think this should be the main content of the whole book is we didn't know what we were allowed to do like yeah. we didn't know how yeah. far we could push the limits we didn't know if hasbro was just going to be like Oh no, no, no! GI Joe, stay in your lane. Transformers, stay in. This is if you want a GI Joe in the driver's seat of an Autobot, that's fine. But you cannot cross-pollinate these brands this much. We have like brand teams that make sure these million-dollar <laughs> brands, billion-dollar brands, even are uh, you know uh, like the the integrity of the brands is maintained. Um, so we we try to pull examples that were from the source as often as possible, which again, we couldn't do for Power Rangers because there was no crossover stuff. So when we couldn't find source material that we can draw on like uh, the the Earth Defense, uh, whatever, like that that Transformers sure. thing that has G.I. Joe ties to it. Um, so when we couldn't do something specific like that, then we would just have to imagine that if there was a crossover, what would have shown up in the comics or the cartoons or the miniseries that that crossover would have been like. Um, we didn't go too wild. I think if we ever did a field guide to Action Adventure 2, it's not like another field guide to a different combination of things, but specifically if we ever did Action Adventure 2, then we would just be like, all right, we got away with that in the first book. Sure,
1: sure. yeah, yeah, <laughs> What yeah. can what we else? get away with now? Now what can we do? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, there's a couple of things I should call out in this chapter. Oh, um, so what this was being written after the, gi joe and power rangers rulebooks had been released and transformers had been turned over but it hadn't been released yet and mm-hmm. so this was really the first source book where we could apply the feedback that we got on the first two but for transformers we were just kind of going on what had been handed over and in the turnover for transformers transformers influences didn't have background bonds and that's why uh mm-hmm. we've got the cybertronian military cybertronian with attitude and they All are right, much yeah. more sparse than the other influences in the game, uh, because that is just what was turned over in uh, the original version of the Transformers role playing game. And I guess background bonds were added to uh, more closely match.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Even though the Transformers ones are still the only ones where the hang up is separate from the the influence. So there's still some difference between Transformers influences and the other influences. But like the major presentation difference was that there were no background bonds. Right. So yeah, this is what could have been. We could have had two influences per page, uh, but a lot less flavor. Yeah, fair enough. But those background
1: (laughs) bonds,
0: uh, you know, I don't know about those. Yeah, I know. So um, someone was looking at a preview of, uh, it was one of the Cobra influences, uh, uh, Scapegoat, I think it was. And one of the background bonds is like, can life stop giving me lemons I have enough lemonade and someone in the discord was like oh you must have had a lot of fun with those background bonds and I was like honestly they're pretty tedious like I'll have four yeah. or five good <laughs> ideas and then I have to really scrape the bottom of the barrel for it's, seven yeah. more
1: yeah they should maybe only be like a d8 or something I don't know. Uh, at, at most I, I, eight, eight of them not even know why it's a d8 just be eight of them just have eight things
0: well, I mean, if you have eight things, you might as well throw the D8 in there in I case you can't choose. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess one more thing about Cybertroning, Military, and Cybertroning with Attitude is that these are probably the most powerful perks for an influence, but these were really important to uh, to mesh the different settings. Uh, so mm. it, you gain the origin benefit of a G.I.G. origin. And generally, like, the origins are supposed to be a higher power than the influence benefits. Right. But... Um, yeah, it just it just came down to we need some place where you can gain some benefits from an origin for GI Joe or or um, uh, Mighty Morphin more from Power Rangers because military training or your attitude are so important to what gets you into that setting. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas your ability to be a transforming robot is a pretty important part of being a transformer. So yeah, uh, this is what's kind of a compromise in that, like, yeah, it's super powerful, but hopefully people don't abuse it and they understand why it, uh, it exists in this format. Yeah. All right. Uh, then for the origins, we've got the Android and I like the Android in that it is just a nice generic, every single setting has Androids. So you could have thought of this as like it's mainly power ranges of alpha, but really it's any of those settings could have an Android and a lot of the mechanics will benefit from being a robotic character if you're doing crossovers and you want to bring in Transformers stuff. So this was just a, a fun thing that could have been in any of the books, but fit nicely in the crossover book, whereas the pretender is the one that I was, I was nervous about including because it is a very specific piece of Transformers lore and it's not totally accurate to the source material because the source material doesn't make sense. It's a yeah. humanoid body, human size that stores a jet fighter or a car or a tyrannosaurus in it. Uh, like the play factor of it makes sense for why they were popular with kids. But anyway, I took the leap. I used the pretender name for this like uh, it more like a, a Cylon from the Babylon 5 reboot. Mm. Concept of like the infiltrator, but like you're a robot in disguise, but you're disguised as a human. Uh, because at the time I didn't think anyone would care about pretenders, but then between the turnover and when this book got published, I noticed that pretenders just started coming up a lot organically in the Discord hmm. Transformers chapters, and I was like, ah, oh, this I'm gonna have blowback here. Uh, just, and they're, oh, yeah,
1: I was gonna say, just so we don't get any corrections, uh, Battlestar Galactica, not Babylon 5.
0: Shoot, did I say Babylon 5? Yeah, thank you yeah,
1: but they start with the same couple of letters so it's
0: oh, i can't pretty... get pretenders right i can't get babylon 5 and Battlestar galactica <laughs> right
1: i don't i don't want i don't want i don't want uh, angry uh nerds with pitchforks outside my window. So <laughs> i just thought i'd throw that in there we know what we know what we're talking about it was just a misspoke
0: thank you and uh, yeah it was those angry nerds with the pitchforks that i was worried about when i uh misused yeah. the pretender so luckily after it came out uh people were pointing out this is kind of like there is one Decepticon in one of the Transformers movies for a couple of scenes who is pretending to be human so it kind of has mm-hmm. some kind of setting uh, uh association and just overall they were forgiving and actually uh, pretty much enjoyed the the concept so I yeah. got away I mean, with it
1: you can, <laughs> you can also sort of like flavor it a little bit however you really need to for, for your setting whatever it is someone who's just like I look exactly like a human or like the actual pretenders who just look like They have big helmets on, I think, right? Like, yeah, big helmets. They don't look very human to me. They still (laughs) got a little
0: flesh. They got chins. They have human chins,
1: human-ish chins. (laughs)
0: Uh, And then we got the envoy, a new role. Um, And I think this started as just like we should have a role. A role would be cool and it would take up a bunch of pages because, again, we don't know what we can include in this crossover mechanics. And so the idea of an ambassador type uh, role made sense for the crossover book and mm. made sense with all three settings like that was the ideal thing i didn't want anything that it's like this really belongs in a transformers book but we're right. putting it in here it really had to be something that made the most sense in uh across all three brands or when the three brands are merging and so uh that's how the envoy came to be in here um and it's a fun class and or sorry a fun role and funny enough i don't think any of the three brands Uh, The three settings have uh, a role that is focused on smarts and social primarily, and then the physical Mm. stuff second. I think all of them are like one of the mental and one of the physical or there's stuff like the warrior, which are just focused on the physical. So this is actually a mechanically unique space for all three of those settings. My Little Pony has a whole actually My Little Pony, you can choose your own uh, progressions for the essence score. So that doesn't really apply there. But uh, conceptually, My Little Pony would be all over the envoy. But the Envoy fills an interesting niche in all the other settings. Ooh. And then it has three focus options, one for each of the three settings. The Military Attaché, the uh, Alien Ambassador, and what was the last one?
1: It's Grid Psychic or something like
0: that? Uh, yes. Like, yeah. Grid Psychic. and then we get into some new faction options was it was especially important because the envoy specifically got two factions and so we didn't want it to just be mm-hmm. the three fact or any faction specifically tied to a setting so right. throwing the uh earth defense command gridlock and the Morph formers uh in there was <laughs> uh all to for the benefit of the envoy but also you know you don't have to play an envoy to use them and then we've got the general perks that Uh, mostly serve mechanical purposes for that. If you want to really complete your crossover uh, uh, character concept, you might need some of these uh, just like for for technical reasons, like the standard weapon training. Uh, Although we did throw in the Morphin Pet and the Robot Pet, which um, I am surprised that G.I. Joe was the only one that ended up with the Pet Rules. And so this was a way to get the Take those a whole chapter, hmm. condense it into a single perk and say, take yeah, this, yeah. go buy G.I. Joe for the rest of the rules. <laughs> because, like you were saying, this does make every book uh, a supplement of every other setting. Like, right? yeah. yep. I mean, the other the only alternative would be to reprint all of the pet rules. And then if you were a G.I. Joe player who bought the field guide, suddenly you've got a bunch mm-hmm. of reprinted yeah. content. What do we got next? Oh, there we go. So the chapter four header is the one we were talking about where they're in the command center, right? And yeah, you've got the, for the
1: game masters because it, it was sort of meant to sort oh, of, yeah. sort of evoke the fact that maybe Zordon is running a game for these people in a lot of ways. Uh, but I mean, obviously without putting the game in front of them, but it's yes. Sort
0: of... <laughs> uh, either Zordon is running it or RC kind of looks like she's in a GM power oh, yeah, position. Maybe. maybe. All right, so Action Adventure Game Masters is one of the three chapters that are tied into Game Masters. Uh, no, sorry, four chapters. So one of them is just specific advice for GMing Essence 20. And then uh, the next chapter is creating threats, which is the meatiest of these Game Master uh, chapters. And it reprints and updates what was in the uh, the PDF version because after... Um, It wasn't long before we realized that our highest threat level threats were just too powerful and had just too many essence points so the this is slightly revised to make the upper upper threats a little less powerful um but uh what i like about this chapter is that we actually sneak in a bunch of threats and they are presented Mm -hmm. as like this is an example you know you could we use the rules very tightly to make these threats but it also like i didn't know we were going to have cobra law ever and so this was my opportunity to you to introduce Nemesis Enforcer into yeah. a role-playing game. Um, and in a setting that like, if you are like, oh no, Cobra Law is too sci-fi for my G.I. Joe, you probably didn't pick up the Field Guide to Action and Adventure if you were worried about sci-fi and G.I. Joe.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's fair.
0: Uh, oh yeah, and kind of like the introduction, we go into how to GM each specific setting. Oh, yeah. So uh, we do each specific setting on its own. And then what can this other setting do for you? And my main motivation here was, um, there was another uh, Hasbro product uh, brand in the 80s called Inhumanoids, which was Mm -hmm. giant monsters fighting humans in battle armor. And uh, we couldn't name it. But in my heart, when I was writing the what can Power Rangers do for your G.I. Joe campaign, Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, if you just want to run an inhumanoids campaign you could take <laughs> right. these two non-inhumanoid brands and use their mechanics to create a real inhumanoids campaign <laughs> uh and then the top 10 plot hooks this ended up being part of the main format like 10 plot hooks for each crossover combination uh, I think this was a Brian invention it might have been a Ben invention but uh I appreciate it I think that no, it, yeah I think they're very helpful yeah and uh, they're good buttons at the end of each section
1: yeah exactly and they're nice i mean they're just real succinct to the you give you the kernel of an idea so you can spin it out however you like
0: so um the threat design section i forgot that it also included two different kinds or sorry two new different there's three total kinds of threats (laughs) or npcs there's what we call npc sat blocks which i kind of wish we'd found a better name for it uh but that is basically if you have somebody that serves a story purpose but you don't need a full stat block for them yeah. like lou the library security manager yeah. then it just suggests like uh put the bare minimum numbers out there make sure you really emphasize their motivation and what the uh, purpose they serve and we've got uh the transformers example is wrist lock the local tough bot which i think was a male character mm-hmm. in the turnover like did you yeah. uh gender swapping ne- just for diversity.
1: Yeah, yep. I need we needed more, more. There's not a whole lot of them, <laughs> not a whole lot of lady characters in in, in a couple of these brands. So it's just like, oh, let's just make her a lady.
0: Yeah, well, and then it really pays off in the art because she has such a unique look. Like you could tell that she turns into some kind of tow truck or something. But having right the tow yeah. truck as like a top knot tied into it. And yeah, she just <laughs> she has a different silhouette. And yet, like, she totally registers, uh, like, uh, how female Autobots are usually presented. Indeed, yeah. Uh, Then we go into threats, which includes vehicle design, and then each individual brand. Uh, I think, like, all this stuff is super useful. There's just not as much behind-the-scenes fun stories to tell about the development of this chapter. It basically took that PDF and it exploded it. Yeah, indeed. Uh, And then creating scenes is the chapter that I think is the most useful for all GMs regardless of its system and it really just talks about what should go into any given scene whether it's combat or not how to make it engaging how to make it purposeful how to make sure that the players always feel like they can contribute both in character and as a person at the table um what to do if somebody is contributing a little too much sure yeah learn how to split the spotlight Mm mm-hmm uh and then we introduce a lot of uh like subsystems we've got the uh skill gauntlets we've got the race the chases <laughs> uh the chase was written by ben and i think he had a really interesting take on it because i i've had some negative experience with chases and other systems because it often feels like uh it's they're not designed for that the players automatically win unlike combat and most parts of a mm. game there's kind of yeah. like an assumption that the player will win Whereas chases seem like they want it to be a fair fight and yet have no idea what to do when the players lose. Mm. And so we've got a lot more uh, ways to keep it engaging ways to make it so that um, win or lose. It, it then tells you what to do, like how to follow up on the scene, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it gives a sample chase and a, like a whole section of the adventure is dedicated to these chase rules. And in fact, a whole section of the um, Cobra confusion from yeah free RPG day like I I really like what Ben did with these
1: and it's not too complicated too you can that's why we throw yeah. it in to the free RPG Day I'm we'll able to sort of explain it real quick here's the basics one yeah. you know one column or page or something like that
0: yeah what I like is that there's like the main skills that you're using and this is what's definitely contributing to it and then most other skills can contribute to it if you can justify it and that's what you want at the table. You want people talking about it, saying, this is what my character is good at. So what is someone who is good at that going to do in this situation? And so it is it is a type of role playing. Uh, I, I wouldn't think of that as meta. I would think of that as contextualizing your rules, and yeah. which is just another way of role playing. Uh, we've got the puzzles chapter I, I brought up in our development chat that this was Ben's section that I basically rewrote because he had just said why you would use a puzzle, but didn't really give any advice on how to make a puzzle. And so uh, in the last couple of years, I've been watching a lot of uh, Game Maker's Toolkit on YouTube, which is more about video game design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he did a whole series on um, the Legend of Zelda uh, levels, like the, sorry, the temples.
1: Yeah, the temples. Because, you know,
0: there's there's all the sandboxy stuff. And then you go to a level, and those are just like one giant puzzle with multiple, what he calls, locks and keys. And so I took a lot of what i'd learned from those videos and just kind of applied them here saying like you know this is how you make these puzzles engaging it shouldn't just be something that like wordplay and i know i'm advocating against wordplay jason but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like there was a really real opportunity to show gms how trou- uh, how puzzles work and what role they should play in your campaign and i i i am going to argue that this is one of the better puzzle making chapters in a jamming book
1: definitely I mean you worked on uh, it the you know the original and then I sort of went in you know did the development on there and I have my opinions about puzzles oh I many know <laughs> people who, who know me know about um so yeah um uh uh yeah I think it
0: turned out pretty good so uh, sometimes I go back and forth with the draft versus what uh, ended up on the page to see what the differences were I didn't think to do it with this one uh do you remember some of the things that you added
1: Hmm. I, no, I don't know if I do. It's been a while. Okay. Um, it may not have been like much that I added, but I just wanted to make sure that it was said the things that I. Yeah. What What was in there just say, says in a way that says the things that you need to do for puzzles and and in games, which is a lot of like you know like hey you know be, you know be flexible and be. People might not want to do it. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> always the thing. I was like, what if they don't want to do it? And That's just fine. Have them make a smart check or whatever, and just move on because no one wants to sit there and try to do a puzzle it that they don't want to do
0: (laughs) i've i've also been in that side in fact i've been uh, in like an actual play where the whole adventure is basically you're doing one puzzle one small step at a time and people were checked out and that was brutal for all involved
1: yeah wow
0: all right so the next section is on traps and um i think we all had our own idea of how traps should work in essence 20 Mm -hmm. and we don't have a trap section in any of the books but we have yeah. traps in every adventure and so i had originally presented them as just it attacks the player so like falling is the fall makes an attack against your toughness like i yeah, i yeah. did it nice and straightforward and then brian did the opposite where you are making a skill test to avoid the effects of a trap um and so uh, yeah we didn't really have anything formalized we were pretty inconsistent about it in the first few and so uh, what Ben did here was made a much more elaborate trap system that, uh, you know, it's it's pretty crunchy. It definitely covers what it needs to. Uh, I I wouldn't have gone this direction, but now that we have a formalized thing of traps, this is the system that I use.
1: It's good. It's good. You know, yeah, I guess you could go any number of ways with, with and that. And we did. That. And you did, clearly, yeah. But it makes sense.
0: Uh, And then it goes into combat. And this is a lot more about just advice on how to run it because we've already got plenty of rules on how combat works. Sure. So yeah, this is, uh, oh, actually uh, the vehicle combat rules kind of fleshes out how that works because there was some ambiguity left in like what actions that you can use in combats that don't involve operating vehicle, how do they carry over? So this is a more advanced version of, of vehicle combat. You don't need this to run vehicle combat but i recommend this version if you are playing in a game that has a lot of vehicle uh you know a lot of scenes with vehicles such as transformers <laughs> and then we go into each individual setting talk about how to design the scenes to you know meet what people are expecting from that genre yeah and finally creating adventures kind of does that same thing only on a larger scale and this was uh, mostly written by ben and uh, we've talked about how ben was the one who came up with the idea of like the narrative flow charts at the beginning yeah. of the adventures and he and page uh, his wife and writing partner or actually um, might be partner and writing partner i'm not sure what their exact status is um, anyway they they are like award winning adventure writers in the dungeon dragon space and so he really knows what he's talking about here and uh, we yeah we we used his expertise to uh, to yeah. inform our players I guess... they,
1: um, one little sort of behind the scenes thing, it was the idea that um, we had uh, uh, been sort of did the, the talk about the flow charts, right? But he, mm-hmm. the way he did them, he sort of described them as trees going from the bottom up. But I had just finished doing a bunch of adventures and, uh, you <laughs> know, uh, Cold Iron and seen what was in the uh, uh, I don't know if it's actually in the Power Rangers one or not, but like all, there's some flowcharts in there that go from the top down
0: which so
1: is... which is how you do a flow chart normally well that's also how you just
0: read a page
1: yeah also how you read a page so that's i mean it makes sense for them to go through. so i had to think about like well now they all all these little diagrams we had need to be turned upside down and described not as trees
0: how how much of a headache was that
1: yeah it was, luckily i mean the the I just sort of turned over art that was like, this is this up, you know, mm. just turn, turn the file upside down and be like, Oh, all the words in here will need to be flipped obviously. And then, it, it's fine really. But like, just sort of being like, well, I just gotta think of what they're, these are just, I don't I can't remember what they might be called. I can't remember what they have been called besides trees, but they were sort of like descriptions of like, this is the straight tree. This is the Oak tree, which goes out in multiple right. times. These are just sort of branching, you know? Yeah. They can still branch. Cause, but they're more like waterfalls than they are trees. Rivers, I don't, I don't know,
0: know why Ben did that, because Ben's the one that brought flowcharts to the adventures. Yeah, so uh, why not just do the thing we were already doing that he already came up with?
1: And he's, he was enamored with the tree idea, I guess.
0: I, I guess. Well, anyway, thank you for doing that effort, because I think this consistency and the flowchart makes more sense to me than the trees. I think he might have gotten, I was going to say he kind of went flowery with his trees, but like, <laughs> I think yeah um i do think that maybe he just liked the visual and he, it allowed him sure, to be a yeah. little more creative in the writing but really the uh keep it simple stupid uh dictates I mean, that it really should have been the flowchart.
1: yeah yeah exactly uh,
0: we got some advice on resting indirect connections i don't even remember what that is oh landing the ending yeah uh yeah yeah so yeah, this is a lot more about just, so before we were talking about scenes, which are all the components that go into the adventure, and this is about, now you got your scenes, chunk them all together, right. make it happen.
1: Make it happen. How to finish it
0: off. And uh, oh, so I just got to the end here where it's talking about rewards, and I thought it actually introduced vehicle upgrades and non-gear rewards, but no, it's talking about how to use them. This is not mechanics that I had totally forgot were in this book. No, no. And that brings us to the adventure, which uh, normally at this point, we say we're going to go on to spoilers, but I don't think we really need to spoil this adventure. We could just say that it is a crossover adventure that Mm -hmm. my goal was to take three characters, one from each that kind of tied together thematically and then ask, what would they be doing if they were working together? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, now I I don't want to talk about who those three characters are but I also don't want to set aside a whole thing saying like that we're in our spoiler territory. So, well, what?
1: Well, we could also just sort of, I don't know what, I can't remember what you you might've had for a third. If we want to do a third talk about the field guide, we could spend most of an episode talking about this adventure and spoiler the whole things.
0: Yeah. So my, the
1: whole episode be sort of chunked off.
0: So my concept for the third field guide uh, episode was going to be that we talk about threat creation and uh
1: well we could we... do the I mean, threat and I mean there's threats in this adventure so we could chunk off the back
0: of back end of true. that. and you know what? we could talk about that adventure and Cobra confusion as one go. big double spoiler ups all right so then we will leave it there and we will yeah. save talking about memories and salvation for another episode about the field guide because there are going to be at least three I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if this adventure spoiler one also separated from the threat design one. And that became its own episode again. That's fair. But uh, that really just kind of shows you just how much there is going on in the field guide to action and adventure. I'm not just saying it because I want to sell copies of this book and thereby (laughs) sell copies of every book. Yeah, yeah. Even though that is absolutely the evil scheme that is going on here. That's not the only thing. We also made a very quality book that I think that people really should check out, even if they're looking at crossover, dismissing it as a crossover book. There's so much to this book.
1: It's a lot more in there. Go check it out.
0: All right, you ready to wrap things up? Sure thing. So thank you for joining us for episode 20 of Upshift, the No Direction Network's Essence 20 podcast. Before we go, I'm going to give a couple of shout-outs. One is that I, it was just brought to my attention that Chaotic Wholesome, a uh, uh, Twitch streaming, uh, an RPG streaming service on and not service, um, anyway. They're on Twitch. They do RPG actual plays, and they will be doing the My Little Pony role-playing game RPG actual play event called Stealing Thunder. This will be played out in two parts on July 19th and July 26th on their Twitch channel. Um, I don't know much about Chaotic Wholesome. I like the name. I like that they're playing yeah, My Little name. Pony role-playing game, so I'm going to check out these episodes, and uh, if, if you're interested in the My Little Pony role-playing game, you should check it out too. right and then of course gen con is coming up i will be there gen con is from thursday august 3rd to sunday august 6th i'll only be there from friday the 4th to uh, i will be there to sunday i'll be running the or i will be emceeing the worlds collide Battles for the multiverse multi-table special event where people can play in a major crossover uh, against and the the villains art was revealed recently on social media so (laughs) if you have not checked out lord mind waves You should go check them out. I love the art. I I was surprised that the reaction was split between people saying that is ridiculous. I love it. And that is ridiculous. I hate it. Everyone picked up on the fact that it is ridiculous. Oh, it's definitely ridiculous. So I I don't think it's so much as uh, they hate it. It's that it's too much. They just cannot deal with all of these crossover elements in one character. I think that's cool. I think that uh, anyone that's signing up for this adventure is really going to get their Lord Mindwaves worth
1: <laughs> sure, yeah.
0: But yeah, if you haven't checked out the art, you can find it on Renegade socials or any of my socials. I, In fact, it's, I'm using it as my Facebook profile now. Oh, very good. Until next
1: time. You are Lauren Mindwaves, mind I think.
0: I mean, in a lot of ways. In
1: well, a lot of ways, yeah.
0: <laughs> Until next time, uh, if you want to. Oh, sorry. No, I'm doing this wrong. What am I supposed to say here?
1: Uh, thanks the special thanks the, yeah no before direction. that we go to the no direction
0: com. yeah the patreon's on there all right i'm just gonna wing it uh so thank you for joining us for the episode if you want to find more great gaming podcasts you can go to no direction podcast.com there's podcasts and blogs almost every day and actually we've got more content uh being added on a regular basis now we kind of had like a, a thinning out process but now we're uh, going back to adding new content and some older content is coming back so Nate Wright's blog is back and we just added the Tavern Rats Pathfinder 2nd Edition actual play podcast of, uh, oh, what is Wait, Quest for the Frozen Flame. Thank you. Quest for the Frozen, Frozen Flame. Uh, so yeah, we've got a lot of new content coming and so you can check it out. And if you like it and you want to see more of it, you can go to patreon.com slash Direction and, uh, you know, throw a couple of bucks our way. I want to thank our patrons who are the ones that help make the uh, whole network possible. And of course. I get a word burglar for the use of Letters from Snake Eyes Part 4. You can find out more about Word Burglar at wordburglar.com. Continue. until next time, I'm Ryan Stella
1: and I'm Jason Keeler. Fate rarely calls upon us at a moment of our choosing.
0: Shakespeare? not oh, trust Optimus Prime. She <laughs> couldn't call me at least until I found out what happened to Tommy. That mission was private. For now, the objective was Stopping the threat of this venomous collective Spreading across the globe I was ready to lock and load With flash, grand slam, clutch, zap, and rock and roll Hawk, stealer, grunt, breaker, and short fuse And before I knew, I gained a whole lot more to
1: lose